0: What's going on? Hope you're having a fantastic day so far, a fantastic week. Thank you so much for tuning in to the 90th episode of the How to Become a Pro Footballer podcast. Today, I'm bringing you an episode that's one of the best I've done. We got Jay Demerit coming on. He started his journey in the ninth league in England, and within two years, he was playing in the Premier League against guys like Didier Drogba, Ronaldo, Rooney, and he just shows... That Anything is possible. That's what I'm trying to portray through this podcast. It's not all sunshines and rainbows, but when you have a dream, when you have a vision, when you put that hard work, that smart work in, you're consistent, you're dedicated, and you're patient to your purpose. You can do whatever you'd like, whether that's be a professional footballer, play division one college soccer, play division three college soccer, make your A-team, be an entrepreneur, be a real estate guy or girl, whatever your dream is, you can fulfill it as long as you put that work in to back it up. You can't just say it. You have to put the work in and be willing to do it every single day. And that's what you're gonna hear within this podcast. Jay is a top guy, took his time out on a Saturday afternoon to come join us. So I really appreciate that. And if you have not seen Jay's documentary, I highly recommend you go see it. I'll put the name of the documentary in the conclusion of this episode, so after you listen, after hearing his perspective, you can see the exact documentary. I know you're going to learn a lot in this one. Enjoy. All right, Jay, we are live. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on this Saturday. I know you're a busy guy. Uh, I hope a lot of the audience knows who you are, but can you just, you know, introduce yourself real quick, your name, um, how old you are, where you're currently living, what you're currently doing, uh, and then we'll kind of get into your journey.
1: Yeah, absolutely. My name is Jay DeMeritt, uh, former White Whitecaps, Watford, and U.S. Men's National Team player. Um, played 12 years uh, throughout my career, a couple different countries. Had the fortunate uh, uh, ability to play in a World Cup in the 2000. 2000- 10 World Cup in South Africa. Uh, I know that's been a, a hot topic this week with World Cup qualifying, but uh, sure. yeah, I was I was one of those guys that, w- that was fortunate to make it to the big show. But uh, what a lot of people may not know is is, is what it took to get there. Uh, you know, I, I walked over and basically with with nothing but a backpack as a 23-year-old American to the English, English lower divisions. I played in the 12th division, 9th division, eventually making it into the 1st division with Watford uh, as my kind of an introduction to the league and then uh, we took watford to the premier league and then therefore the world cup after that so uh, i am one of the rare fl- players that uh, knows what it's like to sit on the bench in front of nobody and knows what it's like to uh, to walk out as one of the best players in the world a world cup and so you know I, my, my life actually was turned into a documentary film called rise and shine which again you know, i know you've talked about um, but that was a kickstarter campaign way back in 2011 where the, the passionate soccer community raised a quarter million dollars to tell my story and turn it into a documentary film. And So, again, now I, I run, uh, based off the success of, of Rise and Shine, we have a, a charity. Uh, we have a youth program called Rise and Shine Captain's Camps. Mm-hmm. We have a music festival, which is our charity, be fund, fair charity fundraiser. Uh, and now we're building an app with EA Sports, the big video game company that's going to gamify learning for young people and, and turn kind of master class type stories into, into gamified intelligence for users and, and really start to educate the next generation uh, in, in a different way that's gamified and through technology.
0: Yeah, that, that's awesome, man. I think, you know, your journey is is the symbol for for a lot of players. And, you know, the podcast, uh, I, I heard you on a podcast with my buddies on Footwork, and I listened to it a couple of times. And um, you were talking about the three pillars of your organization. And uh, you know, when I listen to that, I always try to talk about, you know, you know, influencing the younger generation and, you know, talking to parents about how, you know, it doesn't matter if your, you know, child's gonna be a D one player or they're making the A team or they're a pro. Football teaches you about life, the ups and the downs. And it really prepares you for, you know, later stages of your life, whether you become a pro and you make money off the game, or you take what you've learned and take it into everyday life. Um you know what are those three pillars that you try to uh, implement within your you know foundation, your organization, to teach you know younger younger players. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, well, uh, the first one's belief uh, because if you don't believe it, you you more than likely won't do it. You know, I think a lot of people, uh, you know, we they all believe they can, but it, usually that's it's either a false belief or, or or it just isn't true because you know what we've learned through many years and through I learned. You know, if you don't believe that you can do it, you probably won't. And 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 so that needs to start with that. How you create that belief? Uh, you know, how you how you create confidence in that belief? That that's a different story. That's how you work. That's what you got to work through to continue that belief system. Um, but 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 it's got to start with that. Uh, number two is is uh, is respect. Re- if you're not respecting yourself, i.e., again, respecting yourself enough to know yourself enough to know if you're making the right decisions. Exactly. Uh, you, you, have, you have to respect the person across the line from you, uh, your support systems, your parents, your coaches, the people that are outside of you. You have to respect them. Um, and lastly, and I think almost most importantly, you have to respect the, the environment that you're in. You know, as an American, I couldn't walk into the English locker rooms and pretend that I was this American dude coming in and doing my thing. You know, I had to respect that environment. I had to sit on the bench and wait. I had to be patient. I had to be quiet. I had to be humble. Uh, those are the types of things you go in when you inspect, when you respect the environment you're about to walk into, and that's a different field, that's a different job. Uh, again, that's a, it's a different environment, it's a different town. All of those things uh, present a different environment of how you should act, and and I think uh, I think. Respecting the environment is a is, is a is a huge part of that respect factor, and so it's belief respect. Uh, the the third one is is work ethic. Um, work ethic is is doing it every day. It's it's doing okay. it when you don't want. It's doing it when you don't want to. It's it's when you wake up and you look outside and it's raining and your body's sore and you're like, oh, I told myself I was going to go run file four days a week this week, and I'm on day three and I only got one day left today's the day I got to go do it. You know, the work has to get you out of bed and get you and get you out there and and, and doing the work that's required. And, and, and you know, it's not just saying working hard, you know, that's, that's the prerequisite to all of it. You got to work hard. You, You can't not work hard and make it. Um, exactly. in anything really uh but 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 the work ethic is when you're doing it when you don't want to it's doing it when mm-hmm. you're looking outside and uh and 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 the chips are stacked against you that ability to to bust through that and, and get through that that's what work ethic is it's, it, it, it's that and so um once you got to work what happens in work is is adversity when you do stuff when you well i always say when you do shit shit happens mm-hmm. and, and 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 in all honesty that adversity piece i think. Again, almost is, is something that I come to expect instead of something that I was waiting to happen. You know, like there's that's another piece of the mindset of of, of really um, you know taking on adversities because they're guaranteed to be there. You know, you're going to get injured, your friend might die, your your you know your your mom might get cancer, you you might get dropped from the team and 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 and, and not get an, a new contract. Like, there's a bunch of ways you can create it, and that will happen in your life for adversity. And I think uh, the last pillar. And and this has to do in in coalition with that is is positivity because when you have adversity, what gets you through that is is that positive mindset that that silver lining look and to say what can I learn from that what did I do with that you know how can I take that and now turn it into a positive and uh, and that's really the last pillar and so you know first you got to believe it then you got to respect the environment and the people around you then you got to actually work for it and get out of bed every day and do the work and the last thing within that work you got to stay positive and and, Mm -hmm. in the end. You know, we hope that at the end of you know applying those four four pillars, that you can uh, you can go on and, and, and try to find your success in life. And and again, that's broad. It's not just about sports or soccer. It's about you know the general the general ability to take on a dream and take on something mm-hmm. that that you think you can do, and most
0: likely everybody else thinks you can't. Exactly, exactly. No, I mean, I I think you know, I think the the third pillar really. I think they all fuel each other, but I think that third pillar. Really has a lot to do with that first pillar, you know, having the ability to work hard and work smart to create that belief. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of young players nowadays, I get a lot of messages from guys, you know, I trained, I, I trained so well in training, I feel so good. And then I get into the games and you know, I just feel like, you know, my training has just gone to waste and I just feel like I'm not there. So, you know, from your standpoint, how do you create that belief in yourself, like as a younger player? Uh, If they're, you know, uh, kids, you know, seven, eight, nine years old who have the dream of becoming a pro, um, how do you create that belief within yourself? Um, Well, what I
1: speak on a lot now is, uh, is this whole piece on kind of, it's called self-leadership is kind of the title of what it it means. And it's kind of like, you know, the way that my story always resonates with people is that I, um, I actually just spoke at the big coaches conference, the United Soccer Coaches Conference down in mm. Kansas City. And I got asked to come down there and speak based on the on the fact of of, of the self-leadership piece. And that's, you know, how, how you take it upon your own story to lead yourself. You know, we're always looking to coaches, we're looking to our parents, our peer exactly. groups and things to exactly. help us to help us lead and say, well, what should I do? And in a way, like if you if you can create self-leadership in your life you need those people and those things for support. You don't need them to make your own decisions. Yes. And I think we I think if, if if you create self-leadership in yourself, you know, all those extra things are bonus land and those are things that are there to support you. But technically if you create a mindset that you can support yourself, then you give yourself the best opportunity to go and succeed. And and so self leadership is, is is essentially a couple different things. It's it's the first thing is is, is intention. You have to know why you're there. Do you want to make the team just to play exactly. varsity? Do you want to get a contract to play Division three? Do you want to play, uh, you know, NAIA? Do you want to get a university scholarship and go to school? Again, all different intentions. But first, as you exactly. come into the game, and again, those intentions can always can always change too. If you get to the level that you want, and then you can always change things. But the first way to enter the room is just with the intention of what you want to do and what you want to get out of it. And mm-hmm. so once that's set, um, then you, then you have to start to create awareness awareness for yourself and awareness for yourself is, is is actually going into your mind see what do i like about this what am i good at what skills do i bring to the table and really start to create the awareness piece of yes i'm i know i know why i'm here but now okay. what am i entering the room with what skills do i have what am i bringing to this table and again it could be good things bad things i know that if i run too much in the first 15 minutes i'm going to get really tired for the rest of the second half. If I know Mm -hmm. that about myself, because I've done that and I realize it about myself, maybe I won't come out with guns blazing for the first 15 minutes. But if I'm not aware Mm -hmm. that that's what's happening, then the rest of the 30 30 minutes of that half are going to be crappy for me. But if I'm now walking out of that game and I know that maybe my body gets tired right away, but then I find the fitness later, maybe I'll go out with a little bit more intention of, I'm gonna ease into the game. So by 30th minutes, I'm hitting, I'm hitting the ground running. And so that kind of awareness piece of, of of the type of player you are and what you bring to the table is this next piece. From there, now you start to practice what it is that you're good at and bad at. So this is where you start to go into, you know, the confidence piece. Because if you have intention and then you have awareness, what that creates now is confidence. Because you're starting to understand what you, what you bring to the field. And so if I, if I'm someone that You know, is good at my right, at my right foot, and not very good at my left. I'm not going to use my left as much, but I'm going to train on my left when no one's around. I'm going to train on that Mm -hmm. thing when, when, when. So next time I come in, because I'm aware I'm not, I'm not good on my left. I'm going to train on that. But then when I'm in the game, I'm going to use my right because that's when I can use my skills and gain confidence as me as a player. So you know, intention locks awareness. Awareness unlocks confidence. Confidence now unlocks belief. And so once you have confidence, now you're training in those moments and you're gaining confidence because you're now becoming the player you want to be. Now you have the belief. Now you have the, now you have the last piece, which is the belief. And so now you believe now you're back to step one. If I believe it, I can do it. And so it's kind of like this thing that really unlocks itself within the self self self-leadership piece. And then once you actually are this player that knows who they are, knows what they're good at, knows what they need to work on and believes in themselves now you can go out to the rest of the world and be a good teammate. Now you can go out for to your sure. coach and say and say, "Yo, coach, like, what else do I need to do?" Uh, hey, player, hey, hey, mom, what do you think about my performance? All of that stuff is relevant once you understand yourself enough to not let those other pieces really influence you as much because you you drive for himself.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Even though mom always thinks you play well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, which <laughs> helps, which helps build confidence. <laughs> for sure, for sure. But yeah, I mean, just like you said, I mean the. um, that self-analysis piece is huge, you know, and I think it takes a lot within yourself to be able to properly self analyze. And I think, um, you know, one thing that I really get a lot from you is like, you know, not looking at anything, like you said, the fourth pillar positivity, not looking at anything as a negative, but something to learn from. So like you said there, you know, you, you know, you're just getting experience as a player. Uh, you think like you need to go 110% first 15 minutes, you get tired. And you reanalyze you know you try to pace yourself and you make better decisions and like you said i think it's huge like to rely on those strengths and to be able to use those because obviously as we both know that's what's going to make you you know stand out as a player and then you know in the dark you're working on you know you're working on uh your weaknesses and and trying to make them you know level up to your strengths or even better um But yeah, I mean, I think that's, you know, that's crucial in in overall development. And we always hear these cliche sayings of, you know, uh, you know, work hard in the dark, take yourself out of your comfort zone. But they are cliche sayings because they work. And then I think until you actually put yourself in that zone, you know, like you did going over to England at 23, Mm -hmm. buying a one-way plane ticket, starting in the ninth league, until you put yourself in those uncomfortable situations, you're not going to. You know, you can't read about. Yeah, you can read about how to adapt to problems and things like that. But when you're in that in that environment and you have to always perform no matter what and, and make sure that you're ready, that's when you really you know, develop yourself as a player and a person
1: hundred percent and and you're right like putting yourself in these environments is really the only way you're going to learn in the first place and so you know a lot of people will talk about it or they'll sit on the fence and never actually make the decision to go for it and, and i think exactly. that's the first step is is just actually making the decision to put yourself in the arena to fail you know in all honesty you know you always have to go into arenas thinking you know i'm not i'm not here to lose but i might and that's okay because i'm going to learn mm-hmm. something and so mm-hmm. so if that's the that if that's the attitude again you're never going to fail in the first place because you're going to learn something and so exactly. you know i think that's that's one of the cliches too but it's actually true in practice you know and, and and i you know i went to school for design so i have a degree in industrial design which is product design and so if you take mm-hmm. you know i always use this like if you take a phone right this is a product somebody designed yeah. this right they, had to, they yeah. had to design this camera they had to change the buttons they had to just, they, they figured out that if you put this thing on the back you know you can you can hold it and you don't lose mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. phone uh, mm-hmm. You can see that if you add another camera, now I can take something up close. I can flip it around and actually use the one on the front. This product was designed over many, many years, right? One day they just said, Hey, can we put technology in a handheld device? Exactly. And then one day the next, the next dude came up and said, Hey, check out, let's put a camera on the front. And the next girl came up and said, no, we need to put the volume, the volume on the side. Cause it's easier to use. And so what I learned in product design school as a metaphor of life is that if you, if you are a product, you mm-hmm. I'm a product
0: I love it I'm yeah. about
1: to put myself into a world that you know understands product but maybe I have my own buttons maybe my button should be over here maybe maybe I don't like this that high and I should move it down because my hand's bigger and I put it down here and so this is kind of a metaphor for the individuality we all bring to the table as, a, as our own products but we have to pay attention to where our buttons are we have to and if we don't like them move them you know we have the we have the ability as designers of our own lives to be able yes. to move our buttons and and do things that make our stories better or our stories you know more complete because we've actually again going back to the awareness piece paid attention to why i asked questions after a game i said should my button be here Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is this is this comfortable for me am Mm -hmm. i am i always getting the ball on my right side but i'm left-footed like you should be aware of that stuff you should ask those questions if it went right why if it went wrong why and so that's the feedback loop we should always be in and sure. to your point. If, if you do, if you do feedback with a positive mindset, then again, the next time you go out there, you're going to have a better knowledge for it. You'll have learned something. And technically, if you practice in that new mind, then you're going to be better off for it too. And so that's kind of the process of, of that, that creative process of like always learning, always looking, and then always wondering, does it apply to me? Because if it doesn't, then we're just learning and looking and we're not actually applying and that's that's the big difference of how we get better faster you know and, mm-hmm. and you, you've seen this a lot and a lot of coaches will tell you the same thing you know they don't like it when the guy makes the fourth mistake for the fourth day in a row because it means mm-hmm. he's not listening it means you're not exactly. taking that on and so you know if, if all of a sudden you you play the same forward for three games in a row and he keeps doing the same things after all three games and you're like no this is what i want you to do you know, coaches won't play you on the fourth game. And then you're wondering, why didn't you coach play me, man? Like I didn't even get to play because it was, and I was like, no, because you did something wrong in three games in a row when you got asked to not. And and that's just not, that's just not listening. That's not going to a feedback loop that actually is, is you taking your personality away and wondering what you as the product needs to get better and improve on. And there's humility Mm -hmm. built into that code. There's humility built into looking at yourself through a focal lens that says, I'm going to be good either way, but I'm going to take that criticism on board and actually apply it in a way that, that again,
0: that I'm attracted to, or that one that fits my mold as a product. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that because I, I, I actually use that same exact frame. Like if you think of your career as a business, you are your own asset, just like you said, you are your own product. So you have to look at ways, you know, if we're talking about, you know, if, a, if the team is the consumer and you are the product, how can mm-hmm. you make yourself better to help that team? You know, how can you make yourself the better product? Can you self analyze yourself? You know, how are you physically, technically, tactically, mentally, how can you, you know, adjust those buttons, toggle those, those buttons to help that team. And as mm-hmm. we both know, you know, every coach has their own style of play, which makes the game so beautiful. So, you can fit into different systems and how can you toggle your ability to be the best asset to that team. So no, I absolutely love that. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Can you, so like, for those who didn't see the documentary, can you take us through your journey where, you know, real quick, you know, I know you grew up in green Bay, right? That's right. Yep. Yeah. If you could take us through your, your development, where you played college and then, you know, when you made that decision to go overseas
1: yeah so I, I i grew up in green bay wisconsin I, I i was a three sport athlete i came back from the from the the multiverse of sports uh again green bay not being uh, a soccer hotbed <laughs> in american soccer you know we have an american football team called the green bay packers and that's all sure. we really care about and that's all i really cared about when i was a youngster so i wanted to be brett Favre. um and i had a I, but i did have a i had a cathedral a eighty thousand 80,000 seats cathedral outside of my house so I always just had this lore of stadiums, you know, like Mm -hmm. I I always loved stadiums and having them be in the background and wondering if you could ever get in, play in one and stay in one and watch games in one. So I kind of loved that about growing up in Green Bay. Uh, Again, it's a blue collar town. So, you know, genuine work ethic, you know, Mm -hmm. you got to work hard in those places. It's not, it's not. You know, it, it, it's it's factory workers. It's people that care about their hard-earned football team, and and uh, but they truly ask you how you are. They genuinely care about you, and, yes. and, and I think that that as a core of where I could grow up, I couldn't have asked for a better place or a better support system for my family and and the support that I've I've gotten my whole mm-hmm. life. But you know, I was 18. I, was, I had a, a D3 basketball scholarship and a D1 soccer scholarship. I only got one mm-hmm. offer uh, to UIC, which is in the uh, mm-hmm. Horizon League. I think they're changing now this year. Um, but it's a small division one school, South, South loop of downtown Chicago. And literally it was because my high school coach, uh, used to, used to coach university Wisconsin, green Bay. So Mm -hmm. he knew the small D one kind of loop. And so he called the coach and after my high school was over, he's like, Hey, I got a kid up here. Like, I think you should take a chance on him. He's a good athlete. He's green behind his ears, but he's willing. He's, he's where he works hard. He's got a good work ethic. And uh, you take, you should take a chance on them. And so just like we all do, we all need to take our chances when we get them. Exactly. And we never know where they're going to come from if we don't ask, or if people that support us don't help us. And again, all of those are valid. You can help yourself. You can make your own chance. You can actually mm-hmm. go, Hey, I know, you know, this coach, if you appreciate my game, can you ask if they got any spots left for their, for their roster next year? Like yeah, well, that's that. not a bad question to ask, and again, you have to rely on somebody else to do that. But if they trust you and they know you, they probably will help you. But again, mm-hmm. if you don't ask, if you don't ask, you don't get. And and I think, exactly. I mean, I didn't I didn't ask my coach to do that, but he took it upon himself because I had shown him enough on my day to day training that I could that he would take a chance on me. And so that's what happened. And I got a, I got a small scholarship. I was paying I was paying. $7,000 a year to go to school at UIC mm-hmm. for my first two semesters because so I came in on basically a walk on scholarship at $2,000 a semester, two or 3000 mm-hmm. a semester. And I had to pay out of state tuition because I was from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. And so I had to pay for university my first year. By, by the end of my first year, uh, a lot of, as the story goes, I came in as a forward. Uh, I'd never played defender before. And in our first preseason tournament down in Jacksonville, Florida, we lost a defender to a red card and one to an injury. And so there we are. I'm about to get redshirted. Literally, my coach was like, oh, well, you, you know, you're coming in a little bit behind the eight ball. Um, I think we're going to redshirt you this year. So I, I come off the bench the first game on up front. And uh, off the second game, I, he comes up to me. He's like, hey, have you, ever, have you ever thought about playing defender before? And then you're like, it's kind of an ego hit when you like, you can just get redshirted sure, as a sure. forward. And you're like trying to score. And, you know, cause that's what, what I knew on a soccer mm-hmm. field. And uh, then somebody asked you to go to the other end of the field. And (laughs) in in a way, um, again, because I was a freshman and because I, again, I was aware that I wasn't that good. Mm -hmm. I was aware Mm -hmm. that I had good attributes. I was aware I was a good athlete. I was aware I was a good competitor. Uh, I, I, but I was aware that I wasn't, I I wasn't a a touted all American high school player out of Chicago. And I was playing against Mm -hmm. those guys now and with those Mm -hmm. guys, because all the best Mm -hmm. players in Chicago came to UIC because that's where they recruit from because it's a big city and metropolitan area, a really good mm-hmm. soccer standard in Chicago because there's so many kids. Mm-hmm. And so I'm playing against all these guys, and I'm like, you know what, like, you know what, coach? Like, if that's what you see in me, then sure. You know, we played a marking back system, so it wasn't as tactical as as defensive, mm. you know, tactics may be. It was, hey, take that guy. He's a good athlete. Take that forward and mark him. And I, thankfully, in basketball, and this is why I, I appreciated my – my background of multi-sports was exactly. that when I was on a basketball court, my job on the basketball court was to mark the scoring forward. And so I knew how to mark up somebody. I knew how to chase somebody around in a box and, 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 and disrupt them. And mm-hmm. so I kind of took that into, again, my awareness to go, okay, why not? I mean, it's a, it's going to get me on the field and I'm exactly. pissed off. I'm pissed off. I'm even even a year. Of eligibility by not being on the field because I'm trying to be something that maybe I'm not because my coach, who knows players, might see something in me. Mm-hmm. So again, if you if you can peel back the ego layer a little bit and you can go, well, he's asking me to start, good. He's asking me to start a position that's not mine, okay. He's asking me to, to 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 play with with a bunch of players that he trusts already, okay, great. For me, that was an opportunity. Whether it was the opportunity that I that I dreamed my whole life to be in, no, that wasn't it. But that opportunity alone changed my changed my course for the better. And if it was only because I said yes, if I would have said, no, coach, I'm a forward, I'll sit on the bench and I'm going to show you that I can score goals, that might have worked too. But I got to be honest, like what, by, by saying yes and by being open to his suggestions that he might see something that I don't, mm. I learned in, in three games for the rest of that preseason tournament, and I say this all the time, I learned in three games that I had been playing out of position for 19 years.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah unbelievable unbelievable no yeah I mean just like you said like uh I think you know one thing I actually did learn uh from my small town in the U.S. was you know when a coach asks you what position you play you you know cliche you say whatever position you want me to play and just like you said I think the most important thing is to be able to get onto the field and once you're on the field you could show your ability um Mm -hmm. but also what I what is very interesting. And obviously it's coming up in the conversations now in the U S with football growing a lot. Um, do you think that the early specialization in, you know, soccer slash football is going to kind of hurt athletic development for footballers, U S footballers in the future?
1: Um, well, I, you know, again, my, my solution to bringing multi-sport back into like your siloed approach to youth development here in North America is by adding the programs and sport training into the program itself. So it's not like you're you're taking your 14-year-old residency program kid and bringing them into a basketball program that's in the same town down the street. Like, I understand that the programs and the institutions are built now. So it's hard to, hard to build a silo next to a silo. It's exactly. almost impossible. But if you bring the other sport into the silo and you start saying, hey, we're going to start playing basketball as a team on mm-hmm. Tuesdays.
0: Exactly. And again, I'm
1: talking young. I'm not talking about, you know, 18, 17, 16, 15 year olds. I'm talking about development.
0: Mm-hmm. Development exactly. is,
1: in my opinion, that starts at six and goes to 13. Exactly. That, that, those are my development years. And I think at mm-hmm. 14, 15, you can have a much more knowledgeable approach to where you want to go For sure. uh, when you're 14, 15, 16, 17. And so and again, you don't have to play basketball, but you can come in and you can, you could teach the fundamentals of another sport. You can, um, cause each of them has a different, like I always talk about multi-sport as saying like basketball. I learned not only first, you got to play with four others. So that's a different team dynamic. It's a different social environment. If yes. I'm running track, which I did, or I'm playing golf or I'm playing tennis, that's me versus me and me versus one other person. That's Mm -hmm. going to give me a different social skill and it's going to give me a different athletic skill and a different mindset skill. Um, And if it's track, it's the same, but I'm running in the same race one time for one lap with against a bunch of people. That's a different Mm -hmm. mindset. That's a different, that's Mm -hmm. a different kind of competition. Um, And then if you, you know, again, if it's hockey, it's the same as basketball. You're four others. It's a fast pick game. There's subs all the time, but in soccer, you know, you're 10 people on your team with no stoppages with 10 people in the other team. So think Mm -hmm. about that from a social environment. Think about that from a communication level. Think about that from a bunch of different levels. Now you give all that experience to someone that's six to 12 and 15, you got yourself a a high performance thinker athlete that now is going to go transfer into something that can transfer when it really matters at 17, 18, 19, when I, when I truly am going to get picked. And I understand that like, there's going to be some changes within that system. There's going to be some changes within like your traditional systems of how you could bring that, that whole kind of concept into a team or a a high performance sport environment. But why, why not? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't, I think that all those things I just talked about can help a player as much as having that same player only play soccer and only hit the ball against the wall and go out and do more drills and go out and do more fitness and go out and do all these things all related to one sport. I get it, but I think that the other one will create a more well-rounded person and athlete and mentality. And I say mentality as the most important because, you know, I always look at my experience of why I was able to do what I did coming from the, behind the eight ball and actually being really late to the party. you know, like, I didn't turn mm-hmm. pro till I was 23. Mm-hmm. I didn't play soccer on a full-time level till I was 19. But wow. Why did I hit the ground running? Why did I make the teams? Is it, I guarantee you is because I had other skill sets that a lot of these other footballers that had only played soccer their whole lives had. And I know that because I've asked that. And I also know that because I, I I'm aware.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm, and I can absolutely,
1: see, I, I can I can see why it worked and see why it didn't, and I know that that worked for me. I, it, it helped me get picked as, as, as when I was standing in line with everybody else.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think you know, based on your story, just that competitive edge you have, you know, the work ethic, the persistence. It just really, you know, being able to know how to win is is huge, you know, and compete, you know. Uh, yeah. So no, how did, and, so how did the rest and of I that? Think... Sorry, what were you saying? Well the rest, the
1: rest the rest went out. No, it's all good. Um and so as I as I came out of university, I'd i kind of earned my right to I was an honorable mention all America and all American. So I wasn't like getting picked, but I was being told that I was pretty good. That that was kind of the, the what I got out of my university career. Again, like I wasn't part of this the the scouting networks, I wasn't part of, you know. I got to play in two NCAA tournaments. I, I uh, we got to play out in Stanford. You know, we, we finished 25th in the nation that year. And my, that was my sophomore year. Um, I know I'm sorry, my junior year. And so my senior year, our good senior class had left. And so we, we didn't, we didn't make the tournament my last year, but I'd been playing PDL, you know, obviously USL two basically mm-hmm. is what that would transfer to right now. And again, I still felt like I had so much to learn. I still felt like I was still new to the game and, um, but having good results, you know, playing mm-hmm. playing against players that were in the MLS, playing against guys that did get drafted and having a good games against them. And so, again, in my mind, I was like, OK, I think I'm good enough to make it. I just I mm-hmm. haven't had the I haven't had really the blueprint to, to, to kind of be on the page of a scout or someone that's going to pick me because I don't go to a huge school. That's because again, back then, and I'd say it's different now because it is, you know, there's a bigger net Mm -hmm. now there's, there's USL one, there's USL two, there's PDL teams, there's, there's reserve teams of teams that are all, you know, there's now there's how many MLS teams, 25 or 20, something like that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the net is much bigger now. So it's hard to, hard to compare it to what my story was then back in 2002. So you're talking 20 years ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, the same thing applies is that I didn't get picked. (laughs) And so, mm-hmm. and so when you don't get picked, you got again, you got to go back in and take it upon yourself to figure out why. And then you got to figure out if you do still want to get picked. And again, I say that with you know, sometimes you don't get picked. You're like, okay, that's enough for me. I don't, I don't want it anymore. But for me, it was mm-hmm. like I still wanted it because mm-hmm. they didn't know my story. They're not looking at me because I'm not on the sheet. I haven't been on that sheet for 20 years, like everybody else, that played for you know san diego surf and like played in all the big tournaments and was getting recruited Mm -hmm. out of college to all these big schools like Mm -hmm. i didn't have that journey that wasn't that wasn't my journey that wasn't my that wasn't my story and so you know i took it upon my my own story and i was like okay i'm gonna i got an opportunity to play usl2 for a team called the milwaukee rampage or Mm -hmm. i had an opportunity my my friend who is english was going back to london to live with his mom and he's like you can come live in my attic it will be awesome. You know, you can you can come check out the you can check out the lower divisions and see what that's like. Yeah. And so either way, I you know I, again I just graduated university, and so I had a degree. So I always knew that like in design, I, if I can if if I go there to England and fail, if I go to Europe and I start trying for teams and I either get hit in the face and like no, this is way too big for you, or I go there and I give it a good shot and they they tell me I'm not good enough, then probably I got both sides of the border telling me I'm not good enough yeah, then maybe they're right. And that's okay Mm -hmm. too. And that's Mm -hmm. why I went to school. And that's why I got a degree because I knew that I could fall back on these things that, that, you know, that reality of life gives us. And so Mm. that was my mindset moving in England. You know, I had a backpack and a pair of cleats and that's all I had. I I had saved up about, you know, 1800 bucks working at a bar and bartending and working at a restaurant. And, uh, and so I kind of landed on English shores and and really with my open eyes, just wanted to learn, wanted to put myself in the environment as much as I could. And so I was training at AstroTurf's, you know, three days a week. I was, I was playing on a 12th division team for 40 bucks. Um, I'd get a little cash envelope uh, after every game and that, and that basically bought my food for the week. Mm -hmm. Again, I was, I was fortunate enough with my opportunity where I didn't have to pay rent. I was living at someone else's house. Um, And uh, yeah, I was sleeping on a mattress on an attic floor you know we'd rolled it up through this hole in the ceiling and we'd climb up through this metal ladder and I'd sleep on the and I'd sleep on the floor and I, and I and I did it for a year um wow. but but I, what I always say is like if you are paying attention to your story you can see if you're progressing or not mm-hmm. and and so but by the end of that season you know I I played against really good players that always had good feedback for me I had played with guys that were ex pros up to the first division and every one of them said you know, keep going. Like you got a lot better this year. You know, that mm-hmm. feedback was really good. Again, guys that had been there, guys that had seen the lights, guys that had played in front of, you know, thousands of people and played for their national teams. They were playing now as thirty six year olds in the lower leagues. And that's what mm-hmm. happens in England. You know, but you get to thirty-six, you can pick up four or five hundred bucks a game just by playing in the tenth division night mm-hmm. division so that they show up on saturdays they play one game they get their 500 bucks have a few beers and leave but mm-hmm. that's like fun for them because that's built into the culture of the fabric of england or in a lot of the european yeah. european places yep. so those guys I'm um, and i'm asking them questions i'm going seriously you think i can make it They'd be like dude like if you keep going you know you're young you're hungry this is what you can do and thankfully you know my game suited the english game you know i was a good competitor i was a good athlete uh, i i, I like to kind of wear my heart on my sleeve english people like that kind of player they like mm-hmm. someone that gets stuck in. They like people that don't complain. Like that was kind of my mold as a player really fit. The English mold is what they, what they wanted to look for. And so by the end of that first season, I had two third division tryouts. Mm. And so again, I'm not, I'm not looking uh, at the end of that season. I, I had, I had um, one that went to Oxford United, which I drove three hours one way, used all my money to get up there. And they put me in the 87th minute <laughs> and said, Oh, Oh, thanks for coming. You know, we'll call you. And i I got three minutes you know what i mean and so that positivity piece it's going back to what we talked about earlier i could look at that as my adversity be like oh man i had my shot and i missed oh man but i could also look at it as this this opportunity to say i've just hopped six divisions in one season and i got this tryout that is positivity and silver lining at its finest when you look at a situation and say can i look at this as a shitty situation or do i look at this as an opportunity to get better and that was like whoa i jumped six six divisions i'm getting in fact i'm getting mm-hmm. third division tryouts i'm coming back next year and so i went okay. back to chicago that first off season. i worked i worked again and, and and worked going back to jobs making some more money so i could, I could afford my ticket back and so mm-hmm. but when i did again, my coach had had moved to a, a different uh, lower league team that was playing against Watford in a friendly. And he's like, I know you came up with those, 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 um, those trials at the end of the season, come do preseason with us and you can play against Watford. And so Watford, again, his timing would have it and, and his serendipity would have it. They didn't have, they'd come down from the Premier League so they didn't have a lot of money. Uh, they were trying to offload a bunch of their high earners, so they didn't have any big money to bring anybody in. And they had three center backs that were all over 34 years old. And so they needed some younger blood, uh, you know, with these older heads. And, and so I became that. I played against them and they needed they needed a free a free player that was like me. And, and again, and, and that's where I believe when you put yourself in the right situation, situations are right for you and 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 i and I think that's what happened to me is that I got put in that situation to succeed and and i and I took it upon myself to do so and and so I played well, I was ready for that game, I knew that was a game that people could be watching, so i didn't come in unfit i didn't didn't come in not sharp you know I had a whole preseason for me to get ready, both mm-hmm. both physically and mentally to get ready for that moment and Mm-hmm. you know when, when i go in with purpose and and that never changed for the rest of my career and still not like you know when you're ready for situations because you've thought about them you've prepared for them and then when they happen you're ready for them you know it's amazing how, how life can progress the way you want it to and that's mm-hmm. what happened i got my contract they took me they took me on trial for another two weeks uh i got to play in a couple reserve games and then famously, as the story goes, I, I got called to the stadium for their last game against Real Zaragoza. It was a Spanish La Liga team coming to town uh, with the first team at Vicarage Road, the big stadium. And he called me in and he says, Oh, I want you to come get involved. So I'm thinking I'll get a minute, maybe get to warm up with the team. Cause I didn't even, I hadn't even trained with the first team yet. And, mm-hmm. and I came into the to the locker room that day and I, my name was in the starting lineup with 10 starters on the first team mm-hmm. that I had never even, i never even trained with, let alone played with in front of 30,000 people at Watford. So mm-hmm. it was, uh, it was, that was one of my big moments of like, do you sink or do you swim?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, I had a really interesting conversation with myself first. I went to the bathroom stall because I was freaking out because he didn't <laughs> tell me. And he, but a lot of times the English managers, they don't even come into the locker room before the game. They, they meet you outside the tunnel and because they let the players do the things, maybe they'll come in and say, what's up, but he didn't, I didn't even see him before I really went out there. And so I couldn't talk to him. He didn't want to talk to me because I think, you know, he that's what he wanted to do he was this was a full-on challenge to be like okay i'm gonna put him in there see how he reacts i'm gonna see mm-hmm. how he can perform and i went out there and did what i needed to do again in those big moments where i knew i was maybe we're a little bit out of my sorts um i just stick to my to what to my guns and knowing what i well knowing what my guns look like and knowing what, what ones i can use and so that's kind of what i do i try not to get out of my comfort zone too much i know what i'm good at so i stick to that I, I'm not mm-hmm. trying to hit left footed left footed bombs up because that's going in the stands and then all these English fans are like, oh, who's this guy? Yeah,
0: yeah, you know, yeah, you know yeah. what I
1: mean? Trying, trying too hard. You know what I mean? It's like win the ball, yeah, yeah. give it to somebody else. Win the ball, exactly. win the win that ball in the air, give it to somebody else. Mark mm-hmm. your man on corners and don't give it up. Mark mark your man on corners and make it hard for him. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean? win tackles, you know, be physical, be fast, use your athleticism. You know, what I mean? pull up against people, be strong and be confident. I can do that. I know I can do that Mm because I've done that hundred times, hundreds of times before. Like, yes, Mm -hmm. you can, you can move into the factors of stadiums and noise and pressure and all the other things, but pressure comes off when you know what you're good at and you know, and and you take confidence in your skill sets. And that was one thing I always, I always did. I I knew, I knew what I was good at. I knew what I brought to that field every time. And as you get better, you bring more. That's what you Mm -hmm. want. Absolutely. Even even if, even if you have a a, a small skill set, you still know what you have. And Mm -hmm. so, I just In those beginning years, I really just stayed in my lane, listened to the good players around me meant, that got mentored by a lot of the good center backs, those 34-year-olds I was playing next to my first my first two seasons really helped me. They helped me read the game. They helped mm. me understand the game in a different level. They helped me understand how to use my voice, I communicate on the field, um, communicate runners across, all that kind of stuff. They, they were really on me a lot about that mm. kind of thing because they knew that those are the pieces that I didn't have. As, mm. a, as a 20, 23 year old rookie. And mm-hmm. so they, they helped me that that's where the mentorship level comes in, you know, in the game, um, or in life, you know, finding mentors, finding people that can help teach you things that you don't know. Um, mm-hmm. so I use those first couple of seasons to do that. Um, and then my second year we got promoted to the, to the Premier League and I scored the goal that got us promoted in, in front mm-hmm. of 76,000 people, um, in Cardiff, Wales, and uh, before I knew it, in year three, I was a Premier League soccer
0: player, and no one wow. in America had even had ever heard of me. Yeah, unbelievable. And what what was that feeling like after scoring that header?
1: Well, it was only in the 20th, 20th, 27th minute, so I had a lot of playing to do still. So I, yeah. I tried not to get get, in, get, in, get ahead of myself, but you know, I you enjoy those moments because you know Absolutely. that was a time where my family my family was in the stands. A lot of those. Wow. Um, a lot of those players that I played with in the non-league days, my coaches that kind of helped me on my journey, they were all there. And so Mm -hmm. to to enjoy that moment with them and and to to really, you know, make the most of those moments was, was great. And then right off the field, you're going to be a Premier League player. You got champagne, but then you start to hit that pressure. Like, Oh my God, like I'm going to be playing against, you know, Manchester United next next year and all of these things. And so with that comes pressure with that comes calls from the media and the media is like, Oh, well, you know, what's going to be like? And you're like, Oh God, I got to go do that now. Okay. Yeah. I got to yeah. get back. I got to get, I got to get back to work. And so, you know, I, I, I reset new goals as a Premier League player. I wanted to be in the mind of my national team. You know, I didn't, at the time of then, I didn't know if I'd ever play from a national team, but mm-hmm. you know, now you're a Premier League player and you're a starter on your, on your first division team. And, and, and now in the Premier League, you know, you better believe you can make it now. And so I, I shifted mm-hmm. some goals then. Um, but again, I'm not making the national team if I don't play well for Watford. And so that was kind of my goal. Start every game, be a, be a starter this year, and then that'll open up the window to, to mm, the national mm. team. And that's what happened. I, I, I had probably my best season, our premiership season. Um, <clears throat> I took second in our, in our uh, player of the year for that team that wow. year. In, in my Premiership season, we lost out to Ben Foster, who's still playing for Watford right now. <laughs> and so he he was he was on loan from Manchester United at the time, and so he won Player of the Year that year in prim, in the Premier League. We had a we were wow. busy, we were busy at the back in our mm-hmm. Premier League season. And yeah. so him and I got a, him and I got a lot of accolades for that year, but uh, uh, it wasn't easy playing against the best players in the world. But for me, it was it was a learning experience about consistency, because yes. you know when you play against the best players in the world sometimes they'd like chelsea comes to town and you get to play against this player and you're like great i got to do that but mm-hmm. then next week arsenal comes to town and then the next week manchester united comes to town and then the next week man city comes to town and then the next week this player comes to town and so you never get a day off to mm-hmm. playing against the best standard in the world like you don't and again, that comes with pressure of the stadiums. That comes with the with the all the things that come with it. And so, I really looked at that time as my kind of learning about how to do it every day. That consistency piece of for sure. yeah, you can do it once, but when you got to do it for 40 games in a row throughout a whole season against the best players in the world in the biggest stadiums in the world, you know that's what got me prepared for the national team. Mm. Because when I when I started to walk into the national team setup, I had that confidence because I had done exactly. it for my club. I was captain of my club, so. I didn't have to wait in the wings of the national team. Like I had to wait for all of the other teams I was playing on or I'd earned the right to be at. And so I think again, when I was, when I walked into the national team, I was able to carry a little bit more confidence. I didn't feel like a new player, even Mm -hmm. though my colors, the colors of my Jersey were different. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, I was playing against Tim Howard every week. I was playing against Clint Dempsey. I was playing against, uh, you know, Carlos Bocanegra. I was playing against, you know, Casey Keller and Brian McBride and and and, mm-hmm. and and Brad Friedel. And I got to score on Brad Friedel as well. And so like, these are the American icons that I grew up, sure. you know, looking at and watching these guys. But then all of a sudden I'm playing on the, on, on the op- opposition against them. And so then all of a sudden I'm gaining confidence to know that, you know, three months later I get called in from Bob Bradley and I'm, I'm now sitting with Carlos Bocanegra, Tim Howard, Steve Chirindolo, Stu Holden. These are guys I get to fly with I play against them now. So we kind of know each other Mm -hmm. and now they respect Mm -hmm. me. They respect me already because I play against them. They know that I'm good Mm. enough because they're playing against Mm. me in the biggest league in the world. And so I kind of was able to uh, use that to my advantage. You know, I, I was a leader on the team at Watford. I was captain of the team by my third season. So it was, it was one of those things that, you know, I didn't have to thankfully wait as long and and I, I had to wait. Uh, for Carlos to get injured to get my chance but mm. to, to come in with confidence and to be a part of that setup early on for me was 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 good and and I enjoyed that because I think they could see that I was ready for it and, and and so once I got my opportunity which was about a year and a half two years into my national team was when the confederations cup happened in 2009 we had just uh we had just finished the gold cup and um they didn't. They took a select group to to South Africa because it's the warm up tournament for the World Cup in 2010. But it's always the nine regional champions, so it's all really good teams. And so my mm-hmm. first three starts for the national team, for real, like outside of like El Salvador away in the Gold Cup, or like, you know, also or like some fr- some friendly or uh, you know, that was kind of like my first games but they weren't like games where i was playing with the first team guys every time Mm, so mm. the first time i actually got to play against them was uh was italy brazil and egypt in the confederations cup so those are the first three games as a a real starter with the real first team that i got to have Mm -hmm. in south africa the year before the world cup and so you know we go on this run carlos comes back and then he gets moved to left back and so that's why i really love bob bradley for sticking with me he didn't have to do that you know he mm-hmm. he didn't mm-hmm. I, I wasn't i wasn't a popular name on the team sheet i was just a name people knew because I, I played in england but you know no one had, i you know i had to kind of prove myself but then i did and, and after those two games he's carlos was back and he's like i'm moving carlos to the left and and so then i'm going to keep you and gooch because i think you and gooch are working really well together and so mm-hmm. then we go on, and we beat Spain, we snap their 35 game win streak, and then we go on and lose to Brazil. We go 2-0 up on Brazil in the final and the first American team that's ever gonna win a championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we and then we lose to Brazil 3-2. And Brazil scores three goals in the second half and beats us, but okay. again, those those okay. were the moments that I got to show the world and myself and Bob Bradley that I can play against the best players in the world and we can win. Absolutely. And Mm -hmm. so that's, so that's kind of what started to gain my confidence to know that I deserved to be on the field for my national team. And then Mm. we moved into the world cup and I had a crazy eye -eye transplant my, the year moving into the Mm. world cup, I I got an infection in my eye. I lost the surface Mm. of my eye. So I have a a dead person's cornea. It's basically the window of our eye. And I had, and I had six months to heal. I had a full transplant surgery, healed my (laughs) eye in three months, played with a stitch in my eye for three months, got made the world cup team, got my stitch taken out and then played in the World Cup because um, Bob Bob knew it was a freak injury and hopefully I wasn't going to sacrifice who I was as a player. And so he took me and, uh, sure enough, I had a great World Cup. After the World Cup, I was a free agent and came back to the MLS. Uh, you know, I wanted to continue kind of my leadership role as, as, as what I kind of earned captain of my team at Watford. And then as the Whitecaps were coming into the league in 2011, um, they were looking for, you know, an experienced player um, that could help kind of lead their club and really be a part of a franchise from the start. And so for me, that was a good uh, leadership opportunity. I took a pay cut to come back here in the prime of my career because money was never never the driver for me. Money was a bonus of of, of why you're there. And so I always just wanted to get the most out of my career. And so I came back to the MLS, uh, finished my career uh, with the Whitecaps, played played in captain them for four seasons, and really, really was a great help. And, and my goal was to always help the game grow in North America. And I, that's why mm-hmm. I didn't come back when I was 35. I came back when I was 31 and mm-hmm. 30, I was like, I was just turned 31. And so, you know, that was kind of my path and and, and it was something that really brought me uh, back into the MLS and, and really appreciated my time and, and the different elements I was able to get out of my career. Cause every one of them was different. And, mm-hmm. and now I get to talk about it. Now I get to, you know, come on your podcast and and people like you or, or run programs for, for young people that, I can use this experience to help and, and to support. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's kind of what I do now. And, and, and Rise and mm-hmm. Shine is, 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 uh, is our support vehicle. You know that's why we run programs, we run festivals for older people that can donate money for the younger people, and it mm-hmm. creates this whole ecosystem of support and understanding, sure. and, and creates community opportunities um, that can help the next generation. And that's that's what I'm into now. We, you know, again, we 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 pay for a lot of kids that uh, are underprivileged or or, under, or are deserving but can't afford it mm. uh, to come mm. to come to the programs and to uh, and to hopefully start to you know be around people that can help them and, and support them and, and really. You know, learn to trust themselves because again, going mm-hmm. back to the beginning of what this is all about, it's it's this ability to go out and, and take your life by the hands and, and do what you believe you're capable of. And again, there's a support system that helps that happen. There's a support system that helps that that individual believe in something that's greater than them uh, and you need a lot of parts. And if you can't create mm. them all yourself, then you need to, then you need to find them from other people. And um, if it's not your parents, then it, maybe it's your friends. And if you're not your friends or your parents, then maybe it's your coach. And if it's not any of those, you know, maybe it's something you don't even know because you've reached out to them because you've put in some effort to understand that maybe they're like you. And so that's where that mentorship and support and, and, and all that kind of thing come in. And,
0: uh, and that's really what rise
1: and shine is all about.
0: Hmm. I love it, man. Love it. Unbelievable story. I mean, you know, through all the great things you just shared, you know, two things really stand out is, you know, I think your ability to mentally prepare for, you know, uh, high pressure situations and then that ability to be consistent. So for, you know, for me within this podcast, I love, you know, the stories, love your story, other guys and girls I've had on, I like to take, take those stories and bring practical tips. How, you know, you know, you were playing in the 12th league within about a year and a half, about two years you're playing in the Prem. You know, I'm sure you've had butterflies and you were nervous, but like from a young age, you know, you even said that, you know, you always wanted, you always dreamt of playing in a big stadium. Coming from Green Bay, you know, seeing 80,000, you know, seat stadiums, you always wanted to play there. Um, How did you, you know, mentally prepare step-by-step to get there? So like going into... Going at, for example, going into the Watford game, going into the Watford trial, mm-hmm. you know, any, like practically, I mean, you said you had some positive self-talk with yourself and you were, you know, telling mm-hmm. yourself about your strengths, what to focus on, um, you know, and any specifics. Yeah, and you even kind of explained the same thing, but the words I use is dream big, think small.
1: And so dream big, think small is this whole idea. Yeah, you can go play in that big stadium, but how are you going to get there? It starts with with when you step on the training field. And then once you step on the training field, now it's about feedback loops. It's your own feedback, it's your coach's feedback, it's your teammates' feedback. From there, now you start to create the practice. The practice now creates the new skill set or the new mindset. Both are if you're, if you're practicing both, your improvement will come. And so these are all the small increments that are daily on a daily consistency. Mm-hmm. That you talked about consistency, mm-hmm. but that's truths. And if you're not, if you're too tired to work on your body, then you then then we maybe work on your mind. And and that's and so. I was because of my design route. I was always trying to look at the details of the game and yes. wonder why. Ask ask good questions and understand mm-hmm. why you do things. And then from there you practice. And so for me, it was it was, that was that was kind of it. Just this detailed comb all the time of what can I work on? What can I control? It's like controlling the controllables of what you can do. You know, I can't control if he picks me, but I can control why he picks me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so if I'm not mm-hmm. Winning a f- if I'm not the defender. For instance, like I, I used to like for the beep test of the fitness cut. I my goal always in those was to be the fittest defender because if I'm mm. the fittest defender, I have the best opportunity to get picked. And if I'm the best defender, because I know that I I'm a good slide tackler, but I'm not a good header. But yet every day I'm working on heading after training because even though I don't like it, mm-hmm. I'm still gonna be better to the, to being that name on the team sheet. Once you're on the team sheet, that's where confidence starts to come. And that's not yours so I used to talk about, I do this talk called the tunnel mentality. And the tunnel mentality mm-hmm. is basically about when you, when I talk to the kids about playing against Manchester United for the first time. And so I'm walking into this tunnel and I'm standing there and I'm like, it's at Vicarage road, our, our home stadium for our first premiership season. And I look over to the right and I see like Edwin van der Sar, Ryan Giggs, Wayne Rooney, Ronaldo, um, Paul Scholes, Rio Ferdinand, <laughs> Nemanja Vidic, uh, Pat- Patrice Evra. And so I'm looking at these guys and I'm like, you know, again, (laughs) immediately your brain goes, how the hell am I here? These guys are going to crush me. uh, How am I, you know, that's the badge I've looked at my whole life. You know, all these things. Now, if I walk out of that tunnel with that mindset, what's going to (laughs) happen? They're going to crush me. But but, but if I come out there and I'm like, listen to that crowd. That crowd's here for me. Because they are. If mm-hmm. I think that they're here for them, then I'm already taking myself out of the equation. But they're here for me too, because I got picked by my coach to be there, mm-hmm. stand in that line with them. So mm-hmm. first off, take 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 confidence that I deserve to be here. You know, if you start thinking that Ronaldo's gonna smash me because he's so good, like oh my God, he is six one two twenty. Like oh my God, like he's gonna crush me today. You know, and then I go up against him, and I'm like, hey Ronaldo. And then, you know, he's going to crush me, you know. But Mm -hmm. if I come in going, oh, he is one of the best players in the world. I now get to go play against the best player in the world. If I play well, will I now be considered one of those? Will I now Mm -hmm. be considered something? So take confidence in the fact that I get to go out there, picked by somebody else to challenge his reputation. And so Mm -hmm. I always look at reputations. And reputations are badges, they're names, they're all these things, right? And so I used to love challenging reputations. Because the world tells us, or something, mm, I love that. the world yep. tells us that there's something else, and every one of those hundred people or hundred thousand people, fifty thousand people, are going to think that Ronaldo is better than me. Mm. So what's what? I got nothing to lose. Exactly, exactly. I, I I have nothing to lose. So if I go out there and kick him and challenge him and give him the hardest day I've seen, because I can, that's what I have the ability to do. Mm. Maybe that'll happen. Maybe he'll go missing that day. Maybe I will disrupt his rhythm. And if not, and he scores a goal, and and that's cool too, because that's what they're expecting. But if I'm sitting in the tunnel going, I deserve to be here because somebody else picked me. I get to go out there and try to kick the best player in the world. I get to go and challenge him. And if I do well, then I get to be a better player that people are going to consider. Mm-hmm. Now I can walk out of that 25,000, 50,000 seats stadium mm-hmm. with a little bit higher chest, exactly. with, a little bit more, with a little bit more purpose that I get to be there. I don't have to be there. I get to. And so that's that kind of have to's to get to and that whole kind of growth mindset concept. Is, mm. is all based around that. And so when I sit in those tunnels, that's what I was thinking about. Because you can psych yourself out really quick. Exactly. You can, and, and you start thinking about all the people that are watching. You know, let alone the ones in the stadium. You know, you got, you know, the implications of making a mistake in front of you know billions of people that watch the Premier League every weekend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, you can get yourself right into a into mental into a mental mess if you start mm. thinking about that. But if you start thinking about the positives of why you're there, what makes you there what the skill set you're bringing to make you actually be on that field and that you can actually go and kick somebody. And then again, you get that first tackle in and you kick Ronaldo and that crowd goes, Whoa. And now you're like, yeah, this is what yeah. I'm doing. That's, and now That's and sure. then I get pumped up and I want to do it for another 93 minutes because I had the fitness and I was ready for it. Mm, so again, mm. what makes all of those pieces you're fit enough, you're good enough. You get picked by somebody mm-hmm. else. You're in those stadiums. You, everyone in that stadium wants to be you. So take confidence in that you are you and that you can go out there Mm. and do that. You're lucky to be there. You're, you're fortunate to be there. So don't be Mm. scared, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. going on it. And so that was kind Mm -hmm. of where I used to shift a lot of my mental things. When I started to focus on, Oh my God, I have to play against these players. Oh my God, Ronaldo's going to crush me. It's like, I get to play against that dude. I'm going to keep, I'm going to be relentless until he crushes me. And if not, he's going to look at me and be like, shit, I had a bad, I had a hard day.
0: And so that's the mindset I, I would, I would walk into. Mm hmm. mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, just like you said, being able to flip the switch, flip the perspective. And then what's, you know, you talked about in the beginning, you know, taking, you know, small steps into bigger steps, small goals lead to bigger goals, taking that macro and then, you know, shifting, shifting it to, you know, micro, you know, minute Mm -hmm. by minute. And then once you do those micro things, it adds up to a nice macro game. Mm -hmm. Um, Exactly. Yeah, man. I, I, you know really unbelievable story Uh, a couple last questions uh, I got for you Um, if you could go back to yourself at any age with the knowledge that you have today uh, what age would you go to and what would you tell yourself good question Um, I'd probably go back to
1: that kind of crossroads of like college where I'm like Mm. you know should I go to Chicago? Should I stay in my hometown and be like a big fish in a small pond and mm-hmm. and, chal- and challenge myself to things that other people are trying to tell me to play safe on? You know, mm-hmm. I had a scholarship offer in Green Bay to stay in my hometown and do my thing, and I was like, I don't know, man. I think I want to. I want to try to test myself, and I would come back and be like, This is going to be the greatest thing you could ever do for yourself is, is to take it, a, take your life on yourself and Cause again, my mom wanted me to stay in town. My friends wanted me to stay in town and then they could come to the games and I could be close to home and all this other stuff. And there was a part of me that just wasn't believe in that, you know, and we're all inside of ourselves. Right. And I think we don't, I don't think we trust ourselves enough and in our intuition mm, and what we like and yes. who we are. And, and so I would go back to then and say, continue to trust, continue trust your mm, intuition. And, and, and it, was, it was those reasons that allowed me to be in the situations where I could gain confidence as a player to change positions from a coach that actually saw something in me that I didn't see. And if yes. I would have stayed in my hometown because I thought it was comfortable or as we caught it, because I, because I thought I could be something that I, you know, that I wanted to be in a, in a, in a, in a small place, I never would have made it to the extent that I would have. And and so I, mm-hmm. I, would, I would go back and, and just, and just to say the same thing, like, trust it, do it. You, you, mm-hmm. you're going to, it's going to, it's going to be a good decision for you. And, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and I think it's, I think it's just important because a lot of that times, you know, when you get to that crossroads of your big moments in life, it's like when you leave home and then once you are left home, like what do you do with that experience?
0: I think is it's huge for, for people and what they want to get out of mm. their lives. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it, it comes back to what you said in the beginning, you know, the first pillar, you know, belief and it's, you know, believing in your own, you know, your own intuitions, your own gut. And, you know, I think something that's huge is, you know, you have that, that intuition from yourself, but then you hear the, those external sources, you know, and, they want the best for you. You know, they want, you know, they want you to do the thing that, you know, looks the easiest, that's the easiest road because they think it'll be the best and you'll it'll make you the most successful and the happiest. But sometimes, you know, it's like you said, it's trusting your own gut, going outside those comfort zones and then, you know, truly realizing and manifesting yourself, you know, as a, as a player and a person through those, you know, those uh, in, intuitive decisions And, Mm -hmm. you know, making the most of it, being able to adapt. 100%. And it is kind of like this circle of all of those things. It has to start with that
1: internal piece. And then you're like, okay, I'm going to try this because I think I can. And then it's like, now you try it. And then you're like, hey, coach, what did you think about that? Hey, player, what did you think about that? Hey, you, what did you think about that? Mm -hmm. You'll get answers in three directions. And then you'll get to the next step. And then it's like, oh, Mm -hmm. well, I love this part. And then now I'm moving into the next opportunity with the same knowledge and practice that I've just received. Now I'll come into that arena with a little bit more knowledge and a little bit more practice. And if I mm-hmm. know what those are, it's going to get better. Very rarely mm. does it get worse when you when you have mm. those pieces and when you enter the and you enter, when you enter the space. And so, yeah, that consciousness of, of understanding is is huge. And it's not just understanding yourself. You you might even understand that your, your intuition is off if you practice properly and you understand and you ask the right feedback and you and you mm. get the right loops of of understanding. And that's okay too because you know, we're not, we're not, we're not perfect. And we're definitely exactly. not always right. We're definitely exactly. not always right. And, and when we're, and, and, and if we don't take that as this mental, mental health shot to the face, oh, well, I got mm-hmm. that one wrong. Let's get the next one right. You know, mm. you see how easy that is to switch. But people get in there. Oh, I got that wrong, and then they let it affect them, and then they don't get mm. confidence in the next game, and they think that they suck because mm. they had one bad game, and now coach isn't going to play them, or my teammate thinks I suck, or my mom doesn't like me anymore, and like all of a sudden it's like boom, and now I got to now I got to yeah. like really train to get out of that instead of just going mm-hmm. oh well I think that way oh that's a game where things are going to go right, and now I'm I'm staying at that level. I don't got to go like this and I don't have to live mm. my life like this anymore. You know what I mean? Sure. And I think a lot of young players, sure. a lot of young players, especially nowadays with the pressure that comes with that, mm. um, I, I think really get into those mental ruts. And and, and I think mm. it's a little bit too early for them to do that and, or, for, or at least for them to think that way, or at least to put themselves in the, into that mental turmoil because they're not at that stage mm. yet.
0: Mm. Yeah. I love it, man. I I really love it. If we if we can end off just, you know, your top piece of advice for any player looking to sign their first professional contract. I know we've discussed tons of great mm-hmm. things, but if you could give your number one piece of advice, what would it be? Um,
1: I think it's it's it's, you know. It's a formula. It's a, it's really a formula to all of it. And, and, and that's yeah. the, the most important one for me is that positivity piece. It's, it's that yes. understanding that this is enjoyment and this is enjoyment at the highest level. Even if you don't make it, you have done things that 95% of other people would never do. You know, you got the scholarship to even get yourself in a chance to, you know, to make it as a pro you have had an, ex- if you're in, if you in a, in a conversation at all to be a professional, you've made it way farther than everybody else, mm-hmm. And really. And, and so I think that, that it, it, what I think is that, that when you transfer to that, if you make it, great. Do the same thing again at a higher level, cool. But even if you don't, you're like, mm. I have these intangibles that made me very, very successful in 95% of the rest of the world that didn't even mm. get to here.
0: Mm.
1: Now you take those intangibles and you put them into another passion that you either have or you were about to find. You can do the same thing and then you'll figure out that that is your purpose or that is your passion. So mm. I, 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 my best advice is for young people, if you make it awesome, keep doing what you're doing and understand why you got there and then mm. do it again at a higher level with an even more finite, finite coin mm-hmm. or, 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 or approach. And if you did it, don't lose confidence in that. Use what you had and use all of the pieces that have gotten you to high successful places in a bunch of different ways, use mm-hmm. that to continue to kick, kick on in another direction and pivot in a place that you could stay positive because, you know, uh, people forget about what sport gives us. It gives us yes. so much. It gives us confidence. It gives us ability to practice. It gives us discipline. It gives us communication. It gives us mm. an ability to to work with other people. Those are intangibles for life, no matter where you put yourself. And I think when we get to the point of pro or we get to the point where we can make it or we don't, if we don't, we go back to the depths of hell and we think it's like we failed and our life is over and we got to start it all over again. And that's so not true. It's not mm. true at all. And, 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 and it's just, it's just pivoting with the intangibles that you didn't make it, but turning it now into something that you can make it at again. And, and I would suggest always that those are the types of things that I've always learned. And I've, again, I've been mm. at the highest level of many, many years, and I've seen a lot of people suffer from that. that depth even if you make it even guys that have made it as a pro and then all of a sudden after one or two years they get injured or they they get off they'll get get a contract and it's the same position so i'd say Mm -hmm. whether you make it or not there's still going to be things that you should take confidence in because it's your story Mm -hmm. it's your vessel it's your life and i think when you make the most of, of, of your opportunities and you take life on and again you're you believe in it you work hard you you have respect for others and, and you're positive along the way, you're, you're going to end up in a good place. I promise you. And so that's,
0: yeah. that's uh, that. that's how I like to finish. Yeah. I love that. 100%. I mean, you know, just like you said, you know, you take those things that you learned in sport uh, and then when you go into the real, you know, the real world, whether you do make it as a pro or, you know, cause the, your career is going to end at, at some point, and you're going to have to go into a different industry and and taking those Like you said, those things that you learn that 95% of people, they do not learn, uh, Mm -hmm. you'll be able to just, you know, crush your competition in in the, you know, real job world, the real market. Mm So, hey, man, thanks so much for coming on. I I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, For those who want to get in contact with you, learn about your foundation, where can people find you? Uh, Rise, and, Rise and Shine is, is, is,
1: our, is our group. Uh, if you ever, want to watch the movie, it's on YouTube now uh, for free. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Rise and Shine is, is available on YouTube. From there, we have a D6 Merit is all my social media handles from Instagram to Twitter, all that kind of stuff. So you can follow along there. And then the app, hopefully within the next six to eight months, is going to be coming out. And it's gamified learning mm-hmm. for young adults, uh, built, awesome. up, built through the eyes of celebrity mentors and, and, and people that have been there and done it in their fields from mm-hmm. science to photography all the way down to sports. And so we're really starting to take like a masterclass live approach to how we can create a growth mindset within the a- actionable abilities through technology. So look out for the mm-hmm. Ride Train app. Uh, you know, EA, EA is our founding partner in the app. Um, so you know we got a, a, the biggest video game company in the world that believes in what we're doing, and uh, hopefully we can now show the world and give them a more uh, you know specific training plan of how people want to take their lives uh, upon their own and, and and build a growth mindset and go on and be successful. And that's really what Rise and Shine is moving into. You know now we're a support system and we're a vehicle of support in a bunch of different ways, uh, and, and we believe in, in the power of positivity. So yeah, stay positive out there, and uh, and, and Rise and
0: Shine is uh, is here to help awesome thanks so much jay and i'll put all that stuff down in the description for you guys and girls listening or watching and uh let's thank jay once again thank you man i appreciate it it. appreciate it my pleasure have a good one see you thank you so much for tuning into the episode i really really appreciate it jay's an absolute legend i learned so much within this short podcast and I'm so grateful for him coming on. If you want to follow him on Twitter, Instagram, his handle is d6merit. That's the letter d6merit and I'll put that in the show notes below here and on YouTube. Thanks so much for all the support you give me on every piece of content I put out. I really appreciate it. And like I said in the intro, if you want to watch Jay's documentary, you can find it on YouTube, absolutely free. Type in Rise and Shine Jay Demerit." I think it's about an hour and a half. It's absolutely essential for you to watch if you want to achieve anything in this life. Whatever goal you have, whatever dream you want to fulfill, I would highly recommend you listen to that podcast that we just did as well as documentary. Once again, thanks so much for the support. If you appreciate this podcast, if you appreciate me, I would appreciate a five star review or a one star review. If you don't like the podcast, you don't like me fine, drop a one star but a review is a review. Thank you so much. Have a good rest of the day. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Deuces.